Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 12th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look back on the life of the powerful Florence Senator Hugh Leatherman, who died Friday. I talk infrastructure and congressional decorum with House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn. And state economists reveal that lawmakers will have an additional $1 billion to budget with next year on top of previous surpluses and billions in federal dollars. We have the latest on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals stay on OSHA's vaccine mandate and how much plastic waste do you think has been generated worldwide as a result of the pandemic? Is a lot. It's not good. Also, we want to hear your stories. It's November, daylight savings time, holiday season, supply chain issues, inflation, what you're paying for groceries. We want to know. Tell us what's going on. 803-563-7169. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail with your name and where you're calling from and what's going on. Thanksgiving is coming up, folks. Who's cooking the turkey? We have a little supply chain issue for this hopper and we need you to help fix it. Okay? It's your mission. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is substantial, ongoing, and uh, contained according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,983 total deaths, and currently there are 906,945 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of November 12th at 4 p.m. Our percent positive is 4%. 445 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, 124 are in intensive care, and 67 are on ventilators. DHEC is still working to add the 5 to 11 age group to the vaccination dashboard, but so far, 2.3 million, or 55.7% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Powerful Florence Republican Senator Hugh Leatherman died Friday at the age of 90. He served the Florence-Darlington Senate District 31 since 1980. That's 11 terms. He died at home after receiving hospice care on October 12th upon the discovery of aggressive cancer following an operation. In a statement from his family, lovingly calling him ever the stubborn optimist, the long-serving chairman of the Senate Finance Committee was still receiving budget briefings and crafting legislation ahead of the legislative session from his bed. Leatherman accumulated substantial amounts of power during his 41 years in the Senate and even switched to the Republican Party in the 1990s to stay in office amid shifting district demographics. He's controlled the multi-billion dollar state budget since 2001 and all the positions that came with such power, to the bane of some governors like Mark Sanford and Nikki Haley, whom he once told, I was here long before you and will be here long after you. The budget chairman position also included seats on several influential oversight boards, such as the Budget and Control Board, now the State Fiscal Accountability Authority, the State Infrastructure Bank, which oversees the financing of major projects, and the Joint Bond Review Committee, which approves state agency requests for capital improvements, just to name a few. His power consolidated further in 2014 when he rose to become Speaker Pro Tem of the Senate, which gave him full control of the chamber's calendar and bills for debate. That same year, Fellow PD lawmaker Jay Lucas of Hartsville became the Speaker of the House after the indictment of Bobby Harrell, shifting legislative power to the often overlooked PD region for the first time in history, which at the time Leatherman said bodes well for us. While the pro tem position was consolidated into the Senate president position in 2018, and Leatherman opted to retain his finance chairmanship instead of leading the chamber, 
Friday still marked the end of an era for the region which saw major economic development as Leatherman helped attract manufacturing to the agrarian PD and state as it transitioned from the loss of textile industries whose derelict buildings can still be seen in some parts of the rural region. Leatherman helped bring Boeing, Volvo, and other major manufacturers to the state as well as Honda, GE, Otis Elevator, and others to his backyard while pushing for greater workforce development programs at technical colleges and universities. When the Florence area lost out to Spartanburg for a $1 billion carbon fiber plant, Leatherman said, Any company that's coming to South Carolina, I want in our area. If our area does not fit you and your needs, I want you in South Carolina. He played an integral role in getting $300 million for the Charleston Harbor deepening and the construction of a new port terminal in North Charleston that opened this spring and bears his name. Senate President Harvey Peeler of Gaffney came to the Senate the same year as Leatherman and said in a statement that, quote, Hugh Leatherman's impact on the state of South Carolina cannot be overstated. No one worked harder or longer hours than the senator from Florence. His detailed knowledge of the state budget was unmatched. His imprint on the state of South Carolina is firmly fixed, not only in history, but the future as well. But like I said, Leatherman's power also agitated many. Some like Governor Nikki Haley even spoke out against Leatherman at a business event in Florence, calling him an obstructionist. In 2016, she backed his first serious primary challenger in years but Leatherman won handedly by 14 points. Still, that didn't stop people like businessman John Warren from trying to capitalize as well, like when he tried to tie Governor Henry McMaster to the career politician, whom he called a rotten apple during the 2018 gubernatorial campaign. McMaster won that runoff election, and unlike his predecessors, has worked hand-in-glove with the legislature to get many of his priorities funded. Leatherman even turned his opponents into supporters, like Stephen J. Wilkila, who ran and lost against Leatherman as a Democrat in 2004, but became Florence mayor in 2008, and worked with Leatherman and others in concert to transform the PD's biggest city over his 12 years. There were occasional fights between Leatherman, the city, and county over things like the creation of a special purpose fire district for the wealthier part of the county, or a second capital project sales tax that included a variety of needed infrastructure investments rather than just roads as Leatherman had wished. Though road funding did increase statewide thanks to the 12-cent gas tax Leatherman helped pass in 2017, his quiet and unassuming politicking made a big mark on the region and state that will not soon be forgotten. In a statement, Governor McMaster said, quote, A powerful force for the progress and prosperity of our people has left us. For over 50 years, Hugh Leatherman poured his life into our state, and we are the better for it. He loved his work and kept his word. He never quit. We will miss him. May God bless him and his family. Leatherman is one of few senators to have been honored with a portrait in the Senate chamber, and he gave brief remarks at its unveiling in February 2017. Take a listen. I will close with this at his portrait unveiling. Senator McConnell talked about the difference between an artist portrait and a simple photograph. The photograph, he said, simply captures a moment, whereas an artist portrait speaks to the future. It's my hope that Future generations of senators view this portrait and see a man from humble beginnings who worked hard and for only for the betterment of our great state. Thank you all for coming, and God bless you, and I appreciate everyone who's here on this wonderful day. Thank you so much. Leatherman is survived by his wife, Jean, of 43 years, six children, and grandchildren. Moving on, I spoke with Congressman Jim Clyburn on This Week in South Carolina about all that's going on in Washington right now including the recently passed bipartisan infrastructure bill and its importance for the state, also what the Virginia gubernatorial election means for his Democrats, and the disturbing behavior of some of his colleagues 
that Clyburn says has national security ramifications. That means Joe Biden has been great for South Carolina. The American Rescue Plan is Joe Biden's plan. And this is Joe Biden's plan. And we've got another Joe Biden plan on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it means that we can now get malfunction junction fixed here uh, in South Carolina, here in the Midlands of South Carolina. It means that the flooding all over Charleston uh, that they're still uh, complaining about, we can now address the flooding. Mm-hmm. It means our children can get uh, online learning, our senior citizens, and our rural hospitals. Four mm-hmm. rural hospitals we closed in South Carolina, and mm-hmm. many experts tell me that if these hospitals could be connected to the teaching hospitals via the internet, they might still be open. Mm -hmm. And so uh, these are very important things that we ought to concentrate on doing. Now, I don't understand why people think that we can build highways and fix bridges and do water systems by clipping coupons out the Sunday papers. That ain't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. We've got to have massive uh, commitment of federal dollars to get this done. You can't even do it with state money a lot. Congressman, we have a few minutes left. I want to ask you about just some disturbing activity that's been happening up in the Congress recently when we were talking about uh, Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who tweeted out the contact information for those 13 Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill. Uh, you know, they joined Democrats with that bill. It's also been 10 months since the attack on the Capitol. You were there. You were shuffled out of the Capitol during that situation. Uh, now you have a, co- a colleague up there, Paul Gosar, who's tweeting out videos of members being attacked, killed, uh, even the president being uh, assaulted in this video that's been tweeted out and viewed millions of times. What's going on up in Congress right now? What's being done to stop this kind of activity before it gets even more dangerous than it already is? We in the Congress can't stop it. It has to be stopped by the voters. And I would hope that the voters in Gosar State will reject him, but I don't think they will. For some strange reason, people seem to be comfortable with the big lies. There's the big lie floating around about the election last year, and people are voting for the guy who's spreading the big lie. Mm -hmm. Gozar is doing what he thinks will attract basic Republican voters. And it's time for the Republicans of goodwill. Martin Luther King used to tell us, uh, he told us in his letter from the Birmingham City Jail, that he thought that the people of ill will in our society was making a much better use of time than the people of goodwill. The only way we're gonna stop this is for the good people of goodwill in our society to stop voting for these crazy people mm-hmm. and stop in the name of partisan politics. Let's think about the country. Do we want an autocracy? Or do we want to do what is necessary to further this democracy? We are in pursuit of a more perfect union. But you aren't going to do that by destroying the union. And how that's big, what they're doing. How big, of a, how big of a threat do you feel like that is to national security? Well, you know, I can only go on history. And I think it's a great big uh, threat to national security. I said to a neighbor of mine uh, who sent me a text uh, asking me about some foolishness that's out there on the internet, and I asked him, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I really told him that the people of Germany had no warning. You do. You got a warning. 
So if you want an autocracy, keep reading that foolishness and reacting to it. If you want a democracy to continue to move forward, then why don't you join the people of goodwill? How can there be any goodwill in a guy uh, that's tweeting about murdering somebody on the floor of the House of Representatives? Mm -hmm. That ain't no good by anybody's stretch of the imagination. And Dr. Annie Andrews, she's the sole Democrat to declare against Representative Nancy Mace, said on Twitter Tuesday that her campaign has raised $200,000 in the first 24 hours of its launch. Now, we can't verify those numbers for the 1st Congressional District until quarterly results are posted, but that's her campaign stance right now. Economic activity is still going strong in South Carolina, according to the Board of Economic Advisors. Just from July 1st through October, the state is $591 million over expected revenues. That's about 20%. Now, this growth, along with estimates for the current year and previous surpluses, will give lawmakers an extra $3 billion to budget with when they return in January. $2 billion of that is non-recurring, which is typically used for capital improvements while $900 million is in actual growth from tax collections. Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Director Frank Rainwater gave this overview. So going forward, based on what we have seen and what has been shared with us, um, we believe South Carolina is expected to continue to see economic growth. Uh, Again, we were reminded that Fiscal 21 finished much higher than anticipated which provides a much higher base to start our revisions when considering a uh, new estimate for FY22. And then further, as we just said, that actual collections through October are continuing to be very high. So we're at a very high growth rate right now. Uh, Notably, federal stimulus and altered consumer behaviors are having a longer and stronger impact than previously anticipated. Uh, In September, our key business officials shared insights that uh, we have may have some supply chain disruptions and labor force challenges, but they know these are coming from a position of strength here and not a weakness. Uh, in October, we talked with our regional panel of economists and they noted that wage growth is strong. We have good in migration to South Carolina and inflation may be a problem during the forecast period, but overall they continue to expect above average growth for this next time period. So we're pretty good positioned economically speaking, and uh, but we want to be still cautious uh, with our revenue estimates. Okay, so again, pair that state revenue with the $3 billion in American Rescue Plan Act dollars that lawmakers still have to allocate. Then there's the separate $3 billion that schools are divvying up. And then the $7 billion from that bipartisan infrastructure bill that's coming to the state over the next five years which is mainly for roads and bridges, but also broadband and water system improvements. And uh, when you take it all together, it's uh, pretty transformational, like people have been saying. We've already seen some big coordinated announcements by the governor calling for workforce development scholarships, moving up Interstate 26 widening, rebuilding rural water and sewer systems, and money to build out Interstate 73. That's all from the ARPA money that lawmakers will approve. No one is talking a small approach to this money, and agencies who have lists of needs will be chomping at the bit for this money, as well as lawmakers who wish to give some back to taxpayers. 
Session reconvenes in two months. Come hat in hand, folks. Next up, the U.S. Department of Justice requested the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals lift its November 6th stay on the enforcement of the OSHA vaccine mandate, saying that the petitioner's claims of harm are premature, given that the rule's first deadline for large businesses to require masking of unvaccinated employees in the workplace does not go into effect until December. Now, the state currently remains, but the National Law Review notes that the Department of Labor's November 8th response also argued that the stay was premature, particularly in light of the multiple challenges across the country, citing federal law that governs the procedure courts must follow when multiple petitions for review of a single agency order are filed in at least two courts of appeals within 10 days after the issuance of the order. Who knew that? I didn't know that. Now, under these circumstances, the cases must be consolidated and transferred to a single circuit court, which is chosen through a lottery process. This lottery is expected to take place on November 6th. But it's not like the Powerball. You know, it's not like a fun lottery. Now, in October, OSHA threatened to take over the operations of the state-run OSHA agencies in Arizona, South Carolina, and Utah for failing to adopt a similar vaccination rule for healthcare workers. You might have remembered that. That being said, Arizona and South Carolina have begun the process to adopt that standard. And real quick before we go, according to a research article published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, about 8 million tons of pandemic-associated plastic waste has been generated from 193 countries as of August 23rd, with 26,000 tons being released into oceans alone. Whew. Researchers found that hospital waste represents the bulk of the global discharge, and most of it is coming from Asia. They call for better management of medical waste in developing countries. Recycle, reduce, reuse, folks. quick medical section for you folks right here right now more than 7,000 of the 150,000 Pfizer doses sent to the state have gone into the arms of children as young as five during the first week of availability this according to DHEC it's important to note that children can spread the virus and while they're not likely to have severe COVID the long-term ramifications of the virus and disease are still relatively unknown DHEC public health physician Dr. Jonathan Kanuka told reporters that being vaccinated does lower the risk of spreading the virus, which is why health officials see the vaccine as an important tool in controlling the spread, especially as mask mandates are rolled back. Uh, we're still recommending that people wear their masks. You know, we, we're, we're well versed in hurricane season here, and I don't know if we're in the eye of the storm or if the storm is fully passed. Uh, but I, as I've mentioned, you know, if history is any guide, I think we should be cautious about what could happen. Uh, with winter approaching and people traveling and getting together for the upcoming holidays. And I would still recommend, at least for the foreseeable future, that people be uh, cautious and they're on the side of caution wear their face masks. There's also been concern about the Delta Plus variant, AY.4.2, that the World Health Organization has followed since July and is present now in dozens of countries. The Cleveland Clinic says most of the cases have occurred in the UK, but even there, it's only present in about 6% of the cases. In the United States, it's present in less than 1% of cases. Dr. Kanaka says folks need to be cautious. I think there's a, there's a positive trend, you know, with numbers going down. Uh, but I would say, again, we're, I, I wouldn't say that we're through, through it yet. We're not out of the woods yet. I, I think we should be cautiously um, approaching this uh, upcoming months. 
and uh, recommend that people get vaccinated if they haven't been yet. Uh, that's the best protection we have to you know, keep people protected now against the variants that we do have, but also prevent new variants from arising. So you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the risk of an unvaccination. That's why we keep encouraging people um, to get vaccinated if they haven't been yet. And moving on, the average already vaccinated person may soon have another way of protecting themselves as well. Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security reports that Pfizer and BioNTech on November 9th submitted a request to the U.S. FDA to authorize their vaccine as a booster dose for all adults aged 18 years and older. If the FDA grants an amendment to the existing emergency use authorization, which it is expected to do, possibly ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday, all 181.5 million fully vaccinated adults in the United States would be eligible for an additional shot. Such a move would represent a turnaround from two months ago when an FDA expert panel overwhelmingly recommended against the company's request for booster doses for all adults. So we're going to be watching that one, folks. And some disturbing news on the way out. According to new findings from the Kaiser Family Foundation COVID-19 vaccine monitor, 78% of adults have heard at least one of eight different false statements about COVID-19 and believe it to be true or are uncertain if the statement is true or false. Only 22% did not believe any of the eight false claims the survey found. Belief in misinformation was associated with unvaccinated status, identification as Republican, rural residency, lack of a college degree, and age 50 years and under. Belief in misinformation also was correlated with individuals who listed One America News, Fox News, or Newsmax as their trusted news source. Note how the lead is not one of those, but seriously, credible news only, folks. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things. Tell us uh, how excited you are for the upcoming legislative session two months away. Huh? You guys thinking about that? Top of mind right now? Hmm? <laughs> 803-563-7169. We want to hear from you. You can admit it. We know you're li- you're thinking about the legislative session. You're thinking you can about admit it. it, okay? Everyone's it's all, written all over your face. They're already bills. It's like, y'all, we got two months. <laughs> like, y'all, calm breaks. down. Don't be so okay. thirsty. You know what I mean? Woo. Lord. Speaking of thirst, we're dead thirsty for we your calls. We are thirsty for calls. Please call us. <laughs> Parched. Uh, so, uh, Gavin, I, I could tell. I could be honest with you here, right? Okay. Yeah. Always. Okay. Thank you. Um, well, uh, we didn't have a call for today, so the best the best thing that I could think of was mm-hmm. uh, badger the person in the office next mm. to you into calling. Okay? Of course, who's that so, person? Uh, that person is Vince Coldbrugo. Oh, and oh, god! He has he has the office next to me. He he has the uh, ignominious honor of being the office next to me, which uh, is oh. probably just like the worst. It probably means uh whatever plant he has in his office is going to die. But anyway, yeah, a lot of smells. Uh, I got him to call in and uh, talk a little bit about Dune. So, well, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for pressuring him to call. Cause our yeah, peer pressure works guys. It's well, it's not because no one's called besides Vince, but thank you, Vince. Call, go ahead. Call Vince. Go ahead. Coldly grow. <laughs> hey guys, I heard you had a uh, drought here in the hopper. So uh, it's Vince Cole Blugo, host of All Things Considered. Oh, I don't know if you guys knew that. But host of All Things Considered, Vince Cole Blugo, here to save the day. Um, I'm just going to let you guys know. Uh, well, first of all, I'm calling from next, the next office over from AT, actually. This is, you know, getting a little silly. 
but I don't know. How's my coronavirus experience going? Uh, let me just update you guys on that, I guess. Well, my wife and I, we're finally going to go on our honeymoon, so coronavirus definitely interrupted that, but we're, we're going to do that now after almost two years of marriage. Uh, so I'll be out of here for the next two weeks. You won't hear this lovely voice on air. Um, what else do I need to wade into cultural topics that you guys are on? Let's see. Crocs, I don't have an opinion on those. Everybody, just do you. Be comfortable. Uh, Dune. Dune. Okay, I've seen it twice already on video at my house, but I do plan to go see it in theaters when my mom comes and visits uh, over Thanksgiving. So that will be the third visit, uh, or third time watching it. It's an excellent movie. Um, I think the only thing that I really had to, I don't know, criticize about it is they're on Arrakis for, I don't know, two seconds, and then bam, uh, attacked and driven into exile and whatnot. But other than that, great film. I'm rereading the book now just to make sure you know it's accurate. I've also rewatched the David Lynch film a couple times just to, you know, make sure, like, you know, is this really a good dude or is it not a good dude? But this is a great dude. If you haven't seen it, do it now. Um, after that, I don't really think I have anything else to comment on. So I hope you guys have a great couple weeks, and I'll see you guys again, I don't know, sometime in December. Bye. Vince, Cole Blugo, this is the content people want, right? People want to know what's going on at public radio. They want to hear these like little tidbits, what it's like in the office. When they're listening to that local news and all things considered, they mm-hmm. hear this voice and they're like, Mama mia. I wonder what he thinks about the hot movie right now. Or you know? having no opinion on Crocs, which is just wild, but very smart because he knows who's, it's a, it's a, uh, who, it's a hot yeah, who's potato. Who's right down the middle of the road it's on, a hot on Crocs. potato. Take him or leave him. I will say that uh, Vince... <laughs> He doesn't necessarily do this for me because I'm always kind of bouncing around more. But I, every time there's food in our break room and content, I let Vince know because he, like me, is a food scavenger in the office place. Yes. So He's I'm like, an hey, yo, vulture. heads up. <laughs> like, Yeah. It's know. a scratch. I'll scratch your back. You'll scratch my back mm-hmm. because he'll give you a heads up. And Let me know and if there's donuts and radio, you know, things like that. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, de- definitely. I you think you guys both... are scavengers. Oh, yeah. It's I true. Mean, it's yeah. just one of, my, one of my characteristics. But I will say I'm glad that Halloween's over because the candy and radio was just... It never. All the bowls were always full. I mean, it just never. There's still. There are still. Well, <sighs> these, these are disgusting. disgusting there are these Hershey weird kisses. Hershey's kishes there that have a goop inside, Ugh. and everyone tells you there's a goop inside. <sighs> but that I said, well, what does it look like? They're like, I don't know. I only just ever eat it, so I didn't want to eat it. But I was interested in the goop. Yeah. Popped one of those, and they did pop like a pimple. Oh my god! Um, Everything you're saying is disgusting right now. It but hurry was. Up. It was blood red. <laughs> <laughs> and it stained my finger a little bit. So that's what all you people have been eating, and I'm glad I didn't eat it and just popped it up. Delicious open. red 43. Mm. Yeah, disgusting <laughs> stuff. But uh, Vince is right. Everyone should watch Dune. When you watch this one, you should think about how much George Lucas really did rip it off mm. when he wrote Star Wars, because it is like Star Wars for grownups, mm-hmm. big time. Oh, and, so you're and saying it's that just, Star Wars is not for grownups? I think it's for children, if anything. Mm. I mean, Star Wars is is Dune for kids. Yes. Yeah, that's like saying yeah. like Seinfeld versus Friends here, right? Is that what you're going oh, for? Oh yeah, <laughs> Friends is Friends is for people that don't they they can't. Uh, Seinfeld's <laughs> way too heady for them. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's got to get some people to call in, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Star Wars. I Star Wars is about Honestly, toys. I to just me. can't even get it. I never got into it. That's my own thing. That's your your cross to bear. Yeah, it's okay. That's my croc to wear. Croc. That's my croc to croc to bear. <laughs> oh, you get it. You guys get it. You, you guys get it. it. Okay, guys, call in, please, 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 please. please. <laughs> Unless you Christmas want more present. of this. Unless you want more of this. Don't worry. We okay? have some fun things coming up too for the Thanksgiving break. 
Can promise you that. Might have some Jackson family cameos. Jackson family values. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, uh, show your appreciation. We love it. Am I wrapping up right now? Wrapping up? Yeah, wrap, wrap up. up. You, could, okay, you know well. what? I was going to let you make that decision, but you know what? Gavin, take it out. Do I wrap Say goodbye it up now? to these people. Have a good Pop weekend, up. everybody. Have a good weekend. <laughs> do, do, do your part like Vince and give us a call at 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We love that too. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Economic activity. Not a movie. (laughs) We could rename the episode Global Discharge.